So as we go into the work life, if you turn in your Bibles or uh, devices, I started ministry. My first time in the pulpit was about 41 years ago, and I never thought I'd be telling people to open your vices, your devices, <laughs> to look in your devices. It wasn't even a concept back then, so it still kind of blows my mind. And I sit there and look at mine, <laughs> just like you guys. So in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, God's, read, God's word reads as, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And just a little, just a little uh, background. The verse before this, verse 22, was where it says, slaves obey your masters. So it, it kind of struck me as we're talking about memorializing those that have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, for the democracy that we have. In this time when this was written, this was a monarchy society. This wasn't a democracy. And there were, as we know, a workplace and how the work wasn't their reality. There were people that had their own business, the fishermen and different, uh, different uh, vocations of people did, uh, and those were mostly passed down from families. Sons did what their fathers did, and mothers passed on crafts to their daughters. But there was also a lot of indentured servitude, people that were either voluntarily to pay off debts or involuntarily having to labor. So this is the society that Paul was speaking in. And in that, in that 22nd verse, he also said, don't do it as just pleasing your, your, your bosses. It says masters, but for the purpose of modern times, we'll say bosses or employers, but when they're not looking to, right? And then it goes on to say whatever you do, because what you're doing it for is God, right? We're doing it as witnesses of Christ, so I have a question for you, church. And this applies to those that aren't in a traditional workplace, too. So do we take Jesus to work with us? Didn't know I was going to do that one, did you? <laughs> Think about it. And that also goes for stay-at-home moms when you do to your mommy and me's or wherever you go, is there awareness of what you're doing is to be done to the best of your ability, not to, with an agenda other than being a testimony to Christ, other than pleasing God? And, and by the way, the answer to that, do we take Jesus to work with us, is yes. Because Jesus goes everywhere we go. Right? Holy Spirit lives within us. 
So whether we're portraying him or not, he's still there. You follow with me? Yeah, real quiet, church. <laughs> I'm going to take that mean you're just contemplating, right? <laughs> you're thinking about these words and just, uh, just simmering on the truth. So go turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. So remember, our whole theme here is living the transformed life, right? And this Sunday, we're applying this to work, to our workplace, to whatever vocational activities we happen to have, rather be it traditional work or otherwise that we're taking care of children or whatever we're doing. And so the question, the, the human question would always be, well, why? Why are you asking that question? What's that mean? And if you know me, I know my small group does, and people that come to me and, and talk about various subjects and different things. One thing I always try to do is not just speak of what I, what I think, right? And I know it's kind of hard when we're at work and to be a witness, and I understand that. Sometimes, especially in modern-day workplaces, right? You have to be careful of processing you know, there, and um, you have to be very PC, right? And, and uh, equity and uh, diversity and, and be uh, adhering to all that, or you could end up with HR. You know, and I've talked to HR a few times, so I know. And these things are, are part of it, and the Bible's not telling us to go out and act a fool, you know, and make a mockery of our witness and testimony. There's a way, you know, there's ways to do it. But to just re- disregard it, and I understand there could be a lot of reasons. I'm, I'm scared. I don't think I'm worthy because of the way, you know, there's all kinds of reasons but the problem I have with that, when I would dis- I discuss that with anybody, is the Word of God doesn't back that up. I could say, yeah, I understand that, and I get it, and, but the Word of God doesn't really back that up. Because uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5, tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart, Right? and to lean not unto our own understanding. And that's been key for me through a lot of decision-making because I realized, and I asked God, please show me when I'm leaning on my own understanding. And if you really tune in on that, it's not that hard to figure out, right? God's word says this, I'm making excuses for it like this, (laughs) or I'm quantifying it this way. Yeah, that's, that's my own understanding. That's my own reasoning, right? And I'm not saying that point of finger or anything. I'm just kind of setting it up that if we're going to go forward and walk in truth, we have to walk according to the Word of God. I don't know no other way to explain that to you or to 
give you guidance in that way. And I can't stand up and God, you know, in the pulpit and tell you, I can tell you I understand, I struggle with things myself, but I don't give myself a break. I understand following the word of God and understanding what it says can be at odds with each other. And I'm not here saying that I follow it all perfectly either. I'm still, you know, I'm still a work in progress just like the rest of us. Thank God for his grace and mercy and, and long-suffering. Or we all be in trouble. <laughs> Amen. So in 2 Corinthians, uh, as I already brought up to you in, in the uh, fifth chapter, starting at verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the word to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's um, ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God amen so what that's saying is first of all this ministry of reconciliation we're to carry it on we're to reconcile people back to God through Christ and we're the ambassadors. And see, that's where, when I read that, it messed me all up. Because all the excuses I had for not being a witness, all the excuses I had for not sharing my faith, went right out the door. <laughs> because if I'm going to claim this new life, this new creation, this new beginning, if I'm going to claim myself as a born-again, spirit-filled disciple of Jesus Christ, that means I'm an ambassador. That means I have a calling. That means I have a task to perform. And it doesn't say you're an ambassador when you're in church. <laughs> it doesn't say you're just an ambassador when you're gathering together. Because we're to recon help reconcile the world. Amen? Amen? That's what we're to do. So with that understanding of that ambassadorship, like I said, that messed me up. That made me have to rethink. And my, my journey personally, as some of you know, just recently, I've, I've been kind of absent, and sometimes that's because I'm preaching somewhere else, and sometimes it's, lately it's been just because we just went through an audit and preparing for the audit and getting my team together. And if you don't know when I came to work at where I'm working at, at Union Station Homeless Services, and I went into the uh, Intensive Case Management Services team, which is the Housing for Health through Department of Health Services, we had this amazing team. The, the program manager was a believer. He was my program manager personally, Javier, and he led as a disciple of Christ. You know, he, he practiced 
and you knew there was something different about him. And me and him used to get up early every morning, have Bible studies together before we started new work. So it was great. And then COVID came. And we, were, we actually had the title from Department of Health Services as the flagship agency. You know, our Division of Housing for Health, because it's all spread over different agencies in homeless services. But our particular one, they called us their flagship agency because our, our work excelled. And I believe because God was in the middle of it. And then our, our leaders were allowing Jesus to lead. And then COVID came. And as you all know, there's a lot of decimation through COVID, right? Families were torn apart, you know, connections were severed. Uh, everything went on Zoom instead of personal. Tr- try doing field work, homeless services on Zoom. You can't. So there's a lot of risk taking. You know, we would suit up and everything we had to do, but you're still dealing with that risk population and going into areas and we lost, my team alone we lost three people uh, two was to cancer but one was to COVID and I lost track of all the clients that went into the isolation wards and never came out so it was a tough time so it, it messed up the whole team you know and plus whatever was going on in personal lives too so we came out of COVID a mess. Charts were a mess. The team was all decimated. And I'll be honest, I was, I was applying for program management positions outside that team. <laughs> I was like, Lord, just put me somewhere else in this agency. I don't want to deal with this anymore. This is hard, Lord. This is hard. And Javier, my, 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 uh, my good friend, was one of the ones that died. And another sister in Christ, Diane, she passed away also. So it was just turned upside down. But God, in his wisdom, not mine, because this isn't the way I planned it, I got turned out. I think I made like four or five applications. They all turned me down. And they all said the same thing, not because... We don't think you'd be good at this. They're just one, they're just one, you're all, I always came in second. We would hire you, but there's this other person that just been doing it a little longer. And, you know, so I'm like, gee, Lord, come with this. You know? And then the job came up, you know, for this position. I turned it down. I didn't, I didn't, and then my director, how come you didn't apply for the job? I said, well, this and that, that. So, okay, well, we can't tell you what to do, but it's open. And everybody else applied. We didn't want them, just to let you know. We already turned them down. So everybody else on my team been there longer, whatever. They, for one reason or another, they rejected their, their, uh, they didn't pass their interview. So I applied, went on vacation, came back after the holidays, uh, did the interview and got hired. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, Lord. I get it. So then I started working on rebuilding the team and and rehiring. And I just said that to get to where we are now. So charts had been neglected, all this. And then we hear from DHS, we're going to do an audit. So I looked through the charts were missing. 
You know, intakes weren't done during that time of COVID. And we're talking about a three-year period that a lot of stuff fell. But clients hadn't been seen for months. And I had, you know, I knew my colleagues weren't always working, but I wasn't in the position I was to, to explore all that data. And I was like, oh, my Lord, Jesus, help me. Because now I'm responsible for this. I'm the manager. This ain't right. So... Long story short, we, we started getting on it. And uh, just this year, though, uh, when we heard we were going to have an audit, and then when we got the date, we had six weeks to get everything into order. And then the way they do the audit, they had us, gave us, what was it, 48 hours to know what files they wanted pulled. But then they added something new. And first time they did it at our agency, on the, after that 48 hours on the day of the audit, they notified us of five more files. They had to be ready by 2 p.m. that afternoon. So yeah, there was a lot on my knees and, you know, uh, Lord, <laughs> you put me here, I'm trusting you. And I won't tell you yet how it turned out. Some of you know because I already told you. But just understand, during that period of time, my mind was, and, I, and at that time I knew that I was going to be having this subject matter, but it didn't come until after we were already, Dave had no idea what was, I never even told him about the audit until he gave me, the, you know, told me I was going to be preaching on the work life. And so I'm like, okay, how do I glorify you if it doesn't turn out right? <laughs> you know? It's easy to glorify you if we pass the audit, but what if we don't? <laughs> you know? What message do I give them? What hope, what encouragement? You know? And I just realized I have to be encouraged first so I can't give a message of encouragement. So I was like, whatever, Lord. You know, I'm just going to do everything I can. I won't be the one at fault here. I will put you first. I will work alongside my team. I will do the best that I can. I will go out there with them. I'll get you know documents signed we need to get. I'll write case notes. I just do everything I can. And then the result. Now the night before, I was talking with my director Gabby. And she's due, I think, second week of June. So she was ready to pop. <laughs> and we're the only ones left in the, in the office. Everybody's gone. It's, I don't know what time it is, 6.30, 7, something like that. And I was, I was walking out, and she called me into the office. I didn't even know she was still there. And she was talking, you know, about her frustrations, fears, and, you know, worried about what was going to happen. And as she's talking to me, she's going like this. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, no. <laughs> no, don't let her go into labor here. <laughs> so she said, you know, we need 80% to pass. She goes, I'm resolved to, if we at least get 75%, she goes, I'm just going to have to be okay with that. At least it show that's a big jump from where we started. And 
Sometimes I say things, I don't know, it's, I'm hoping it's the Holy Spirit, not just my own hubris. But uh, like when I took the position, I, I guaranteed upper management that I, I would help the team get back to its former state of being the flagship team of, of our, our agency uh, for DHS. And right after it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, Lord, jeez. I learned to be quiet. And so when she said that, I said, you know what, Gabby? I said, I think we're going to do better than that. I'm a man of faith, and I can't think anything else. And then she just goes, yeah, you must be a man of faith. <laughs> and so anyway, long story short, we had the audit. It was crazy that, yeah, I mean, it was, it was wild. I was sending my team out that once we knew where the files were, go get this sign, go get this sign, you know. Uh, all these missing case notes. I'll just write them. You go get the paper signed. I'll write the case notes for you. And when we got the results, remember we had to have 80% to pass. Our passing score was 90.86. Yes. Glory to God. Amen. And we were the highest scoring agency because they did audits to all the Housing for Health agencies that were under DHS contracts. And not only Housing for Health, but all the different, LACTA and all the different uh, uh, agencies. And we scored the highest. Amen? So the good thing about that was people would come to me afterwards, like my, my colleague, the other PM, she, uh, Jessica, she told me, you said you were never worried. You know, we, we watched you. You were never worried. I was worried, but I tried not to show it. <laughs> they kept saying, you were never, you knew we were going to be okay. Huh? You believed it. And I go, I had to. You know? She goes, you are a man of faith, aren't you? I go, yeah. <laughs> you know? I said, I have no other choice. I mean, God's been too good, to, you know. And so this opened up a lot of room for witnessing, for testifying. And I didn't have to violate any, any, uh, any uh, protocols or, or uh, agency rules. They came to me. <laughs> they asked me, how, were you, how could you be so sure? How can you believe in that? Where does that faith come from? And I've been witnessing all week after the audit. The gods gave me people that I don't believe, I don't agree with their lifestyles that are in, you know, that don't usually come to me, but just this little thing, right? And I see it was a convergence of all God has been teaching and bringing me for such a time as that, amen? And I'm not delusional or, you know, so full of myself to thinking that the people that are patting me on the back now and the management is saying, oh, man, we couldn't have done it without you. We're so grateful, you know, that you're in this position and that they won't throw me under the bus <laughs> if it suits their purposes at another time. See, because one thing I have learned that my faith and my trust doesn't rely on the agency doesn't rely on my workplace. It relies on my Lord and Savior. See, he's the only one I can trust. He'll, he'll, he'll give me favor in others' eyes, but I don't rely on that. 
because his purposes may not always be that for whatever reasons. It won't be the first time when I've had favor and lost favor. Like I said, I've been written up over there, you know, verbal warnings, nothing official, uh, just because I'm too much of an advocate. And sometimes it's not appreciated when I stand up for people. But that's the way it is, amen? So I'm saying all this to say this. I hope that this series that we went through, I'm hoping that you understand the importance of what we just, the journey we just took. Because these are foundational truths. Not only the foundation, but the journey too. Amen? Somebody give me an amen here. (laughs) And going through, I realized to get to this point, this victory in Jesus' name came through living a life of these concepts, right? Uh, First, the transformational life, right? I don't know any way you can be assured in your salvation unless God changes you in some way, unless your thinking changes, unless there's that evidence, amen? Because when somebody made Jesus real to me, let me tell you, Sister Kiki, something came over me. And I can't, it didn't get me jumping and hollering, hooping and all that, which I do do now, as you know. But what it did, it just gave me this hunger to know more about Jesus. It steered me into the word. I was a ferocious reader at that time and just read and read and read. And the more I read, the more it became real to me. And the decisions I started making in life, I said, well, what's the Bible say about that? Is that how Jesus lived? And yes, I fell on my face many, many, many times, and I still fall on my face, but I know where to go, right? First, I know how to get on my knees and beg for his mercy and forgiveness, which I know is mine, and then I know how to find my way back through his word. So I realized that transformed life, unhurried life, I'm still working on. As anybody that knows me, I'm, I'm, that's, a, that's a real work in progress. But the prayerful life, yeah. I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't have anything unless I learned how to not only pray, but listen to God. Listen when I'm praying. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Should I take this? Shouldn't I take this? Should I get mad at you because you didn't do it the way I did? No, no. Your words, okay, I get it. No. But those are real those are real discussions I have with God sometimes. And the guided life, right? Being led by his Holy Spirit, the reflective life. And all that got me to the point of where I was able to give you this testimony in my work life of what happened. And hopefully it's an encouragement. And, and before, I, before I wrap up, I'm going to uh, call uh, Pastor Annette uh, Kakimoto to talk about where we're, where we're going from here. Thanks, Pastor Steve. So again, we just wanted to be encouraged with this sermon series that we've been going through in all these weeks. And it's just been such a blessing to be able to have a, 
have this sermon series because really, as God's people, we don't want to stay the same, right? That our goal in life is not to just be ourselves, but to be people who radiate the personality and the personhood of Christ so that others know that he's alive. And so, again, for the application for today's sermon, thank you, Pastor Steve, is uh, your card six. So if you don't have one, the ushers will make them available to you. And on the back side, there's a spiritual practice if you're working, but there's also one if you're not working. So you're not off the hook if you're you're not having a, a paid vacation on that. Because we realize some of you are retired but you can also be um, a wonderful uh, witness uh, for that. And today you get a second card, which is now it's your turn. Okay, and so what we've been doing in this sermon series was every week to provide you with a scripture verse that you can really meditate on and memorize and really bury it into your heart and soul. And so we've provided those scriptures for you, but now it's your turn to be able to see what scriptures does God want to have you memorize and apply in your heart and mind. And so what we've done is that we've put on the back side a space for you to um, practice writing one verse that you would like to memorize even this week. Okay, So for you, whether it's in your Bible reading, maybe you hear it on the radio or on your podcast, you hear hear a verse that God just really brings to your heart and mind, we'd like you to write out that verse and the verse citation, and that begins to be part of you hearing and living out God's word in your life. So this is um, a way that you can do it. So you notice it's not laminated, that's because you can flip it up and then you can write on it. And then ultimately, as you, um, as God continues to give you some words and scriptures, promises and uh, truths, you can use and make your own scripture card using a three by five card and just go ahead, hole punch it, and then add it to your ring. And so that's a a really a great way to be able to do that. Like I have um, a whole set of cards I've made um, and And what I do is I actually type out the verse and print it out, and then I just make um, a decorative card, and it begins to be part of my scripture uh, cards on that. So hopefully that will be something that will be helpful for you to be able to use. And if you're missing any of these cards, um, we will have back issues in the narthex um, after service and also next week. And so I really appreciate partnering together with Pastor Dave and Kiki and I, it's been fun as a, as a staff to put these together, and uh, Kiki's great on the computer, so, and I am not, um, so it's great to work together to um, have these cards be available. But also, um, we want to mention that keep on living the transformed life, because part of the process of this sermon series is to really help you really take a look at how do you live your life. What are the rhythms of your life? And so that's why we had the 1202 prayer challenge, is that we pray that each week, I mean each day, that at 1202 you set aside time to pray on behalf of Mission Valley and what God wants to do in and through us. And so 1202 is a great way to begin to develop a prayer rhythm every day in your life that one, at 1202, one time, 
uh, a day that you set that aside to pray and ask God to come and transform us more and more into his likeness. And then another way that we have really been trying to shape this sermon series and your lifestyle is to also provide retreats because it's hard to live a transformed life when we are so busy, when the pace of our life is relentless and pretty uh, hectic. And so we have a mid-year reflection retreat that's going to be um, happening Saturday, June 10th from 9 to 2 here at church. And so this is meant to be a time just for you to hit the pause button on your life for all the things that you have going on in your life, just to dedicate one Saturday, 9 to 2, to come here to enjoy the whole campus nice and quiet. It'll be a guided retreat, and it's a time for you to really reevaluate six months into 2023. What is God saying in your life between January to June? Where is your heart, your soul? Is this how he would want you to live? Or is there something that he wants to say to you? And a quiet retreat is a way to hear him. So we invite you, if you'd like to register for that, it's out in the narthex, and uh, we'll have that um, available to you. So we hope that you'll enjoy uh, your cards that you've had, and we hope that you will take the initiative to be able to Uh, create your own scripture cards so you can practice even this week to write your own scripture um, on the back of the card and let that be a way that God transforms and renews uh, your mind and your heart. So we pray all these things are part of re-evaluating and readjusting your life to live a transformed life in Christ. You hear me? Yes. So let's um, let's let's go a little full circle. Uh, Pastor Annette brought up about uh, twelve two, praying at twelve o two every day. Let's go. Let's let's take a quick quick trip back to Romans twelve, and I'm going to start at verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. In view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. And I made a little notation here because somebody asked me uh, at one time, what do you think, after salvation, where does being a witness come in? What what level, you know, is it number one, number two, you know, what level of importance does being a witness? And I told them it's, it's part of the salvation package, according to the Bible. 
would I read? And I, I made this a little salvation and witness, if you want to pull up that slide. Salvation and witness walk hand in hand with Jesus. Amen. That's part of our salvation. That's why we confess with our mouths when we believe in our hearts. It's not either or. It's all together. And that's why I'm so thankful for what uh, Pastor Annette shared for this, uh, for this uh, series. You don't know the answers to prayers. This has been. Because what God's been revealing to me in his word and what I've been hoping to see the church transform itself to, evolve back to, it's not something that we is new. It's revisiting. It's going back. Going back to Jesus. Amen. Going back to Alabama. Well, we're going back to Jesus. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. I told you something gets a hold of me and I lose myself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wind up with that thought. Amen. And how do we do that? That would be your next logical answer. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to say and not be conformed to the world. And that's why that's one of the reasons Colossians was written, by the way, because the church, the uh, the Colossian church, was mixing the teachings of Jesus with other beliefs. They're mixing it with uh, with uh, Jewish legalism. They were mixing it with Oriental mysticism, and they were mixing it with uh, Greek. Uh, at this, at this, I'm, I'm terrible in pronouncing those college words, but it basically what it means is they had a belief that self-denial, if you deny yourself, if you don't indulge in the pleasures of the world, and the more you deny yourself, the more it would rise you to more of a connection with divinity, which we know Jesus' teachings didn't teach any of that. And he was trying to get them back with, with the hope. The main theme of Colossians was to have a Christ-centered faith. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. There's no additions. No, 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 no additives needed. <laughs> All we need is Jesus. Amen. And the results of that is where I'm going to, I promise you, I know preachers have a, a bad habit of closing like four times, but <laughs> where I'm actually going to close <laughs> is to invite and challenge you to do what Jesus wants you to do, what he wants us to do, and that's walk in the Spirit. Amen? That's the answer. How do we do that? We walk in the Spirit, not in our own understanding. And in the book of Galatians, verse 5, I mean, chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, or so that you do not do whatever you want to do, is a better translation of that. So walking in the Spirit means simply this. Look into Jesus for our direction. 
It is a daily journey of asking ourselves, what does the Lord want me to do today? What will honor and please him? It involves examining our lives, and if we recognize the works of the flesh within us, we repent and ask for the Spirit's help, which is basically what I've been telling you. And if you know me, I'm, I'm very simplistic. I'm, I, I, I don't go into all that you know, complicated. To me, the gospel is very, very straightforward, very simple in the way I practice it. it it's go by the numbers for me. I, I don't have to blow my mind in trying to figure it out. Amen? So, uh, worship team, you can come up and we will close in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word, for your truths. And I thank you that this is not a begin this is not an ending. This is a continuing. And I pray for those that this is a beginning for them. Maybe they haven't come to the realization of these concepts and truth and what their responsibility is, or even how to find that responsibility and how to find your will, and to find what you want from us. So I pray for all of us, Lord, that as we're coming back to you, as we're rededicating and re-examining and re-reading <laughs> to find what it is you want for this church collectively and what you want for us individually, we pray and thank you that we know that as long as we put our trust in you, as long as we let you take the lead, we have nothing to fear from. The world has nothing to offer, but you have everything to offer from now through eternity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.